0: Welcome back to Midday Matters. I am Darshan Maharaja on Saga 960 AM. We are still waiting for Michael Koto to call. He was scheduled to appear on this show, explaining his reasons and his vision for Ontario Liberal Party leadership. He announced his uh, candidacy for this uh, while back. I am looking at a report in CBC. Uh, he basically says breakdown of decency in public discourse and I agree with him. I don't agree with much of what the former liberal government members had to say on many things. But on this one, I agree. He says uh, there was a breakdown of decency in public discourse. He MPP from Don Valley East, one of the few uh, liberal candidates who got elected in uh, June 2018. Only seven of them were elected and uh, now they are down by a further two, um, who have left for other positions. They are pursuing other ambitions. So, the Ontario Liberal Party is right now down to five members in a 124-member Parliament, Provincial Parliament. This report says a Toronto Liberal MPP has become the third person to throw his name into the Ontario Liberal Party leadership contest, kicking off his campaign in Windsor. This was from June 18th. Don Valley East is the riding from which Michael Koto was elected MPP. And he rationalized his decision to launch his campaign in Windsor because he's elected from Don Valley East in Toronto. But he kicked off his campaign for party's leadership in Windsor by saying the city has a special place in Ontario. Now, of course, it does. Still doesn't explain why he chose to do it from there. He says this city, Windsor, is a kind of a microcosm of this province, citing the city's manufacturing industry and academic culture as some of its strengths. We know University of Windsor has a prominent place in the academia. And of course, being tied to the automobile industry, it uh, has a glorious past, now fading, but a glorious past in the manufacturing age of the 20th century. Michael Koto added the city's proximity to the U.S. is an advantage for cross-country t- trade, while the city's agricultural and automotive sectors provide a very unique opportunity for Ontario. With proper investment from Queen's Park, Koto said, the University of Windsor and St. Clair College will also allow for collaboration with industry to build a really strong strategy to help high tech and other opportunities that the new economy will bring forward. And I have only one question to this statement, which is, if... Proper investment from Queen's Park was going to lead to all these positive outcomes. The Liberals in their 15 years could have done that. Now, I know that Michael Cotto wasn't calling the shots. I don't want to put him under too much of a spotlight. But it wasn't done. The focus was elsewhere. Green energy, windmills... And uh, giving out contracts, 20 year contracts with guaranteed price of 64 cents a unit kilowatt hour of electricity generated when the highest selling price was 18 cents per kilowatt hour. Now, if you are paying 64 cents to buy and charging 18 cents or less to sell, there is no way it can be a financially viable proposition. Not even Milo Minderbinder of Catch-22, who was a financial genius, could have made a profit on this. Because he was buying uh, eggs in Malta at 5 cents apiece and selling them in Pianosa. For two cents a piece and still making a profit. The author Joseph Heller never explained how this uh, magic was <laughs> made possible by Milo Minderbinder because his brain functioned in ways that uh, nobody could comprehend, not even the author who conjured the character into being. But it's uh, what I'm saying is buying electricity at 64 cents a uh, kilowatt hour and selling it at Anything between 8 cents a kilowatt hour to 18 cents a kilowatt hour. I mean, it, it cannot be a viable proposition even for Milo Minderbinder of Catch-22. Still, Michael Koto acknowledged some of the challenges faced by Windsor, including addiction, housing affordability, as well as a changing workplace, which is where I think his use of the term microcosm Uh, looks apt because these are common challenges in various places in the country and in the province as well. He said, you have really got to work with people locally, figure out what the local needs are and then from there build a plan that's not only good for Windsor, but also will work in Ontario. Windsor, Essex, that's the county here, the riding Windsor Essex's love for the NDP wasn't lost on Koto who said he doesn't believe the party delivered much over the last decade here in this region. I think that the people of Windsor and the surrounding regions need to sit down with the Ontario Liberal Party. We need to reaffirm those values that we believe in, those values that say we need to invest in an environment that is good for the economy but also good for people when it comes to that social safety net and in education and good health care. Mr. Koto attended a number of events in Windsor throughout the day, including a peaceful protest against the sale of Windsor Waterworld. Getting very active here. I, I, I like this because you have to get associated with local concerns in order to resonate with the people of that area. Now, he was candid enough to note that they made some mistakes, learning from past mistakes. That is going to be, I think, necessary for whoever gets elected as the new leader of the Ontario Liberal Party. Of the three people currently running for party leader, Koto is the only one who holds a seat as a provincial parliamentarian. Now, I don't know if... uh, This is a good thing for him or a bad thing for him, whether it helps him or harms his chances. If he calls in, we will uh, definitely ask him. He is also only one of seven Ontario Liberals at Queen's Park. In fact, now they are only five, right? A list that includes former Premier Kathleen Wynne. So, at some point, she may also decide to uh, vacate her seat and make room for the next person who will be contesting in 2022 from the seat. Because I don't think it is now um, it is now a good fit for Kathleen Wynne to continue. She just has to wait for the right candidate to emerge to take over from her in the riding. Despite the party's severe losses during the 2018 Ontario general election, Koto said he feels the majority of Ontario voters still believe in liberal values. Now, this article uses the capital L here in liberal values. I think small l is more apt. Because, yes, most of Ontarians uh, do believe in liberal values, but those are small L liberal values, not capital L liberal values. Because if they did, uh, the election result would have been at least slightly different, (laughs) not 7 out of 124 um, victories. He nonetheless acknowledged that the party had previously introduced some policies that were poorly received by the general electorate. Now, were they poorly received? Or uh, did people really feel that these were wrong policies? We have Michael Koto on, na- on the line now. Welcome, Mr. Koto. Hi, uh, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. First of all, congratulations on your decision to run for the party's leadership.
1: Well, thank you very much. And the race hasn't officially began, but (laughs) um, uh, there's uh, three of us that have clearly identified that we will be running. Right. And I'm looking forward to it.
0: Absolutely. Now, uh, I have to start with a difficult question, you'll pardon me. But uh, uh, there is this uh, uh, image of the previous liberal government that you will have to counter. Now, I I need to uh, ask you how you plan to do that.
2: Um,
1: There, you know, it was a government that was in power for 15 years. So, um, after a lot of time, there was... uh, a strong desire for change out there uh, from the public. Mm -hmm. But I think one thing that never changed Mm -hmm. uh, was the values that the party had, and that Mm -hmm. was uh, the belief that we as Ontarians uh, in communities are stronger when we actually work together and when we assist each other. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that people have never moved away from. They may have moved away from the party, but they never moved away from that value and you can clearly see Doug Ford and the Conservatives today mm-hmm. have moved away from that value as well in Ontario.
0: Right. And, uh, you know, I I agree with you on one point, which is that the Liberal Party, I'm not looking at the number of seats that uh, you got. I'm looking at the number of votes you got. And that was still north of one million votes, right? Right. And uh, the Conservatives got uh, something like 2.3 million. So Yeah,
1: and the NDP uh, 1.7, I believe. Uh, right. Uh, so, you know, the numbers are not that, that far off. Um, Doug Ford received around just under 20% of eligible voters supporting him uh, in the last election to form this big majority. So there are a lot of people out there that don't subscribe to um, Doug Ford's vision of Ontario, where... You know, you're basically on your own to defend for yourself. I think more people believe mm-hmm. that we're stronger when we work together.
0: Yeah, but in terms of percentages, I have to point out that even in uh, 2011, the Liberal Party, which formed government, got around 20% of the vote, right?
1: Yeah, so, and this is a big issue in politics, right? right. Number one, uh, we're not getting people out to uh, uh, to vote. You know, almost half, half of the people in Ontario don't yes. do it. And uh, the other challenge is... Uh, When you have, uh, you know, the Liberal Party receiving almost, I think it was around uh, 20% of the vote, but Mm. less than maybe 5% of the seats, it speaks to another big issue in democracy that uh, the numbers are not really reflective of the... The amount of representation. So I think we have to have this conversation in Ontario Mm -hmm. uh, sometime in the near future just to look for ways to encourage people to get out and actually voice their concerns. There are people coming up to me all the time Mm -hmm. saying, I regret so much that I didn't go out and vote this election. And, um, you know, a big part of why we have Doug Ford is because, uh, you know, obviously, you know, the 15 years that the Liberals were in power and there was Mm -hmm. a lot of exhaustion from... You yeah, know, people were just exhausted from, you know, from the liberal party itself wanted that change. But another element is that people didn't go out and exercise
0: their democratic rights. I agree with you because uh, ultimately, if you don't. Uh participate in a process, then you have, uh, in my humble opinion, no right to criticize the outcome of that uh, process.
1: Right. And then there's the other folks that actually did go out and vote and supported Doug Ford. Mm -hmm. And now they have uh, buyer's remorse, right? Like, why (laughs) did I do what I did? Um, You know, we're seeing a government at the, you know, the lowest polling numbers ever for a premier. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, after one year, it's supposed to be a honeymoon period. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not that. It is, uh, you know, when you have a, a leader, a political leader, uh, stand in front of a crowd of enthusiastic, um, you know, sports fans mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, people who are there for the Special Olympics and being booed, mm-hmm. it says a lot about the, the feel in Ontario for Doug Ford and his policies. And they had they had such a great opportunity to do something good, but they've chosen to uh, to go in an opposite direction, and we're seeing you know, their mistakes every single day pop up. It's hard for, for media to keep up with this uh, this government.
0: <laughs> you know, I've been, uh, I've been, I've lived in uh, several countries, so I can fairly say that this is a common uh, phenomenon, not just unique to Ontario. But uh, talking about your vision for uh, right. Ontario, uh, how do you uh, think we can best attract uh, business and investment to Ontario?
1: Well, I think, so my vision for Ontario is an Ontario um, that is simply the greatest place in the world Mm -hmm. for children. And some people may say, well, you know, what about adults and seniors and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, other groups? Mm -hmm. Uh, My reason for that is I believe that if we build a society that um, uh, produces the best educated young people, um, that has the healthiest kids, where kids feel safe, um, you uh, automatically create a good economy. You know, you keep the environment clean. Um, you create spaces for grandparents and, you know, grandchildren to, you know, to be. Um, you, you produce the best doctors. The outcomes for, you know, for us as we get older are better. I think that Ontario needs to reinvest in children and young people. And uh, I think as a result of that, we will see a more decent society, we will see uh, an elevation of the political discourse in this country, which is I think is uh, is every day being chipped away at. and um, and I believe that uh, we will you know we will continue to build a strong economy by investing in children. You know, I'll give you one example. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, there was a revelation that came out of uh, the Global Mail about uh, Doug Ford intentionally um, stopping the wait list. Um, or sorry, uh, stopping the entry uh, of children into the autism program.
0: Yeah, you saw that report, You know, it's a
1: big story today, right? Mm -hmm. And what people don't realize is if you make the investment in a young person at the earliest age um, for ABA therapy, Mm -hmm. uh, that child can grow up and start to, you know, uh, in most cases, I think it's 70% of the cases, the autism is not um, uh, on the spectrum far enough that, will not allow them to live productive, you know, Uh healthy lives where they can go and contribute. So, you know, even kids who have severe autism, the simple task of investing early and having them being able to feed themselves, to Uh communicate, Uh to go to the washroom, it ends up saving society billions of dollars long term. Um, And the young kids that get the services early and figure out how to communicate, you know, they can go on and work in in the workforce. They can, you know, they can be more successful. We make the right types of investments into young people at an early age by providing with those, them with those opportunities. Mm -hmm. It's going to save us money and it's going to increase productivity. And I believe, you know, that is a, uh, we need to put in a long-term vision for Ontario Mm -hmm. that continues to build opportunity for young people. So, you know, uh, we don't have young people just wasting their, that opportunity and, uh, and and, and and being one of the 70,000 young people in Ontario today, youth, mm-hmm. that are not in school, not working, or in a training program. We need to get kids back on track. We need to make society uh, a place of opportunity. And, uh, and I think that's one of the visions that I would bring forward in government.
0: All right. Now, as a non-Ontarian, if I look at uh, uh, my options, and I come across a report that... Uh, According to EQAO, more than 50% of students are failing to meet the provincial standard in math. I don't see that as an attractive destination for children's education. And if I have children who are going to be in an education system, I'm held back. How do you uh, overcome this, uh, this challenge?
1: Well, I think you have to look at the big picture. So uh, when you look at children in Ontario today, um, the EQAO testing that they they have um, also speaks to, um, you know, the literacy levels, uh, reading comprehension and other elements. And they're doing quite well in those areas. Mm -hmm. Um, Math is one of those areas where there is a challenge. But we also have to remember, you know, when the Conservatives were in power in 2003, Um, almost 40% of children, so it was like 34%, were not graduating high school. Now think about that for a second. Today, that number has uh, decreased uh, to more than half. So we are heading in the right direction, but we're also seeing, um, you know, we're seeing some very positive things uh, when it comes to outcomes for children, but we're also seeing some negative things like uh, mental health uh, numbers increase. Mm -hmm. We're seeing, um, you know... uh, uh, the the math scores you're talking about. So, mm-hmm. if if we built an Ontario um, that could uh, use good data and identify these issues, put in measurements and investments, I believe we can make Ontario even better for young people. And math, you know, has to be one of those subjects that you know that we encourage young people to uh, to to start to love uh, because it's going to be so essential long term
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, for children when it comes to the new economy.
0: Yeah, but you know, respectfully, uh, when I'm a non-Ontarian, for example, I'm not looking at conservative or liberal, I'm looking at Ontario. And uh, therefore, I think and in today's world, uh, math uh, being centrally important, uh, there needs to be a crash program to improve uh, our delivery of education in that uh, area in order for Ontario to be an attractive destination for business people and highly qualified people, that's a high quality job. That uh, we may want to attract, wouldn't you agree
1: with, with, without a question, So if we can identify that that is an issue, mm-hmm. um, then you know we need to figure out ways to uh, to to increase that. but you also have to look at you know our university and college uh, entrance rates are higher mm-hmm. uh, than what where they were before um, You know, our economy is the strongest in the country. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's investment coming in into Ontario. We've developed new sectors and, you know, interactive digital media. Our finance sector took over Chicago uh, several years ago as the number two destination Mm -hmm. in North America after New York. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a lot of good things that are happening. But make no mistake, this is not, you know, this is not uh, a perfect province. Um, we've got young people who struggle, like I said, with mental health challenges. We've got young people, particularly from, um, uh, you know, you can break it into different uh, 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 Ethnic groups, right. um, you know, we have uh, black children, indigenous children struggling
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, in, in areas at a higher level than uh, than other groups. Right. Um, so we, we, we know all of this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So rather than take the direction that Doug Ford's doing mm-hmm. and, you know, cutting breakfast programs, cutting after school programs,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, cutting funding for autism and complex special needs, cutting money to education, uh, cutting money to post-secondary education. You know, these types of decisions have a long-term effect on um, on society. And I think that uh, if we want to get those test, test scores up, uh, we need to make more investment into education. Um, we've got uh, 5,000 schools, I believe, in Ontario, mm-hmm.
2: um,
1: and uh, 77 school boards, and, um, you know, 400-plus municipalities. You know, our schools, for example have a $16 billion deficit in just infrastructure investment. Um, so, you know, we've got to make a decision as Ontarians and what we're prepared to invest in. Mm-hmm. We've got to hedge on stuff, you know, take a bit of a gamble on um, the alignment between what we're investing in and what the new economy opportunities will bring. Um, But I believe we have the talent pool here in Ontario to make those types of types of decisions. And I think that you need we need to uh, get a government in in power that is not restricted or or restricted by ideology Mm -hmm. um, and is more um, uh, is more determined to make those decisions based on the best data that's out there. And I think a liberal government uh, is the uh, is in the best position to do just that. And I think that uh, me as the uh, as a potential leader uh, mm-hmm. for this uh, this Ontario government, if it if it ever did come into uh, into uh, into power, mm-hmm. um, you would have to have the type of leader that um, is ready to make those types of commitments.
0: Right. But the cuts that you uh, talked about, and they are painful. I'll I'll agree with you there. They are painful on whoever gets affected by those cuts. But the logic behind those is the uh, overall financial status of the province, where we are somewhere in the region of $350 billion in debt and uh, paying about $12 billion a year in interest. And that money can naturally fund a lot of other uh, more useful uh, Uh, programs so the need for some kind of financial uh, restructuring looks apparent at least to me now if it were left to you how would you go about uh, uh, addressing this financial issue
1: so this is a uh, a very important uh, issue I think for Ontario's uh, future Mm -hmm. Um, I think that we need to live within our means um, and uh, and, uh, spend what we have Mm -hmm. Um, I think in the case of 2008, 2009, when most of that money was borrowed, mm-hmm. um, I think we came into government with about $150 billion in debt in 2003 by uh, the Mike Harris government.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think it was around $150 billion. That's, of course, doubled. Um, but you have to remember that we went through uh, the worst economic recession in the history of this province outside of the Great Depression, mm-hmm. and our decision to invest into infrastructure uh, was to increase productivity. You know in Ontario, for example, in the GTA today, we lose about six billion dollars a year just because of congestion in our in the GTA.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, imagine that was removed and what it could do for our economy uh-huh. now the the money that's been borrowed to uh, that has increased the budget has mo- ma- mainly gone to infrastructure investment. It would be the comparison and not to compare such a complex uh, intricate uh, system. Uh, financing to a mortgage in your home, Mm -hmm. but it would be the equivalent of, um, you know, if you have a larger family, you need to add uh, a bit more space. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've got to renovate the house so it's more efficient Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to heating. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, of course, the value of that property increases. We, We all have mortgages, most of us um that you know, that could afford to, to, to purchase a home mm-hmm. and uh we borrow to do that. And um sometimes making those investments into infrastructure to increase productivity uh builds more reward. The other thing you need to remember is that in two thousand and
2: three
1: mm-hmm. um uh, corporate taxes were higher than they are today. Uh-huh. Um, the old Liberal government lowered them substantially. Uh-huh. Um, we've uh, taken the uh, the revenues from about eighty billion dollars to one hundred and sixty billion dollars. So the uh-huh. revenue uh-huh. tax revenues increased,
2: uh-huh. and
1: it's not been on the backs of people. Um, taxes have not increased in Ontario besides the health premium. Um, so taxes remain the same since uh, since Mike Harris. Uh, actually, since bob Ray, um, our infrastructure has expanded rapidly. Mm-hmm. Um, we've made those investments, and the money that we owe um, is a result of, um, of 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 building more capacity in the system. And we've uh, been able to accomplish a lot in in Ontario, Toronto, and the GTA uh, accounts for almost. I think it's about twenty five percent of all revenue in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're talking about a uh, a massive. Um, you know productivity, capacity within the system, mm-hmm. and uh, we need to make that right investment. So, Ontarians need to ask themselves the question: Is you know the big question is number one? Um, you know, are are they prepared to to borrow to make those investments, or are they prepared to make massive cuts uh, into things like education uh, to make those investments? I think that um, we need to manage our our, our budget, uh, you know, better. Um, but the but the per the per citizen spending in Ontario by the government is the lowest in the entire country, and this is factual. Um, so I think um, I think that you know we are affordability is a big issue. We cannot raise taxes, uh, but at the same time we need to continue to invest in infrastructure to build productivity in Ontario to uh, to make the the province a more wealthier uh, place and in return generate more revenue back into government uh because of the expansion of the economy so you know we need to we need to put in place those types of incentives to grow our economy
0: right now you know in terms of the debt that was incurred uh, you know, it would be unfair to hold a new leader of the party accountable for what was done previously because there were circumstances where people thought it was necessary. But the end result of that debt, $350 billion odd now, is that we are spending $12 billion in interest and that is when the interest rates are historically low. So, we have to look at a possibility of interest rates going up as well in whatever time frame. Therefore, I think uh, some kind of restructuring would be necessary. Short of revenues uh, going up uh, drastically uh, over what they are now, uh, you would be looking at uh, a budgetary deficit uh, in the to the tune of at least five to ten billion dollars a year, which would again increase the borrowing. So you are into a loop. So someone needs to find a way to break out of this loop. And how would you address that issue?
1: Um well I think I think government should always aim to spend within its means. Mm-hmm. Um uh paying down the deficit I think is something that's important important. Uh right. we uh as liberals balanced the budget 2 years ago uh, coming from a 2008-2009 I think it was a 21 billion dollar deficit when the recession hit. Mm-hmm. Um so there is a way forward and we were getting there um as uh, as liberals um Doug Ford today is telling people that we've got to sacrifice, we've got to, you know, we've got to do more. And uh, in return, uh, what we're seeing is the exact opposite. We're seeing mm-hmm. government spending more money than the liberals did, and citizens getting less. So the big question is, well, where's that money going? All right. And the money has gone to fund massive corporation write-offs and, uh, and, and give uh, tax breaks to the richest Ontarians. So um, that was a deliberate decision by Doug Ford's government. What we need to be doing on our side, I think, as liberals, is, um, is aiming to, to balance the budget by growing the economy. Um, and number two, um, being flexible enough to understand that, you know, things like 2008, 2009 do happen. Yes. Um, you cannot be locked into ideology so rigid today mm-hmm. to not allow for flexibility to make decisions based on circumstances. Right. Liberals are very good at that, not, not being pulled extremely to the left or extremely to the right
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and, uh, and being blinded. Um, I think that um, as liberals, we need to uh, uh, address uh, issues as they come forward, but always aim to ensure that our debt is being managed the debt to uh, um, to revenue ratio is uh, uh, is balanced, and uh, and looking for ways to grow the economy to uh, to generate more revenue, and making sure it's not on the backs of everyday citizens who are struggling with affordability issues.
0: Absolutely. Now, finally, uh, I want your view on uh, the tax structure in uh, Ontario, both uh, corporate and individual. Do you think we are uh, really globally competitive in that
1: in our tr- in our tax structure yes please um I think that we have low uh, like personal income taxes and uh, small business taxes, I think are, are fair in Ontario.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think that um, people, you know, people always say to me, you know, they'd be willing to put in more money
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and pay more taxes. But I think until government can demonstrate that it's effectively using Ontario's uh, tax dollars appropriately
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and um, and that there's um, uh, there's a buy-in from the public that those dollars are being used appropriately. Um, in the correct way,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, until we can get to that point, it's very hard to convince people that they should be putting in more.
2: Mm-hmm. I think
1: that, um, a- in addition to the affordability issues that we're addressing,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, I think it's uh, it's really important to earn the trust of Ontarians uh, before you even entered into that type of conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe uh, I believe that uh, Ontario is competitive, and that's why. You know, for years, uh, year over year, you know, we lead in uh, in in foreign direct investment because we've got uh, stability here. Uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Traditionally, we had stability uh, with Doug Ford. It's getting a little bit challenging with his canceling of contracts mm-hmm. and changing laws, so he cannot be challenged in court. But I mean, Ontario has being known uh, known as a place where there's uh, there's political stability traditionally.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, there's um, uh, stability in regards to the workforce and its outcomes, uh, academic, uh, you know, outcomes uh, in you know in post secondary and, and training courses. Mm-hmm. Um, our strong healthcare sector mm-hmm. uh, that allows companies to come in here and uh, not have to take on the direct burden of paying for health care uh, through their uh, revenue sources. Right. Um, so, you know, we have, uh, we've been a, a historically a place of stability mm-hmm. uh, and opportunity, but um, it is important that businesses um, uh, have that stability so they can predict the future uh, uh, and, uh, and decide if they want to continue to invest. But we're going to see a lot of, um, I don't think the taxation is, uh, the big issue that is going to attract or not attract someone uh, into Ontario today. I think' I think, it's, it, I think uh, it's our ability as a society to uh, to really participate in the opportunities that the new economy is is bringing forward. Mm-hmm. And um, if we can get ahead of some of those big things when it comes to digital rights, when it comes to automation, mm-hmm. AI, Um, you know, uh, automated cars, uh, drones, like there's so much technology coming. We just need to be prepared. And I'm glad that Justin Trudeau actually is building a a digital uh, charter of rights Mm -hmm. um, uh, because now more than ever, we need to ensure that that big data that's out there is Mm -hmm. owned by the people, not necessarily, you know, companies that are making money.
0: Right. But I have to ask how uh, cost of energy factors into this. Because it well, has I think, been, I think in, the
1: cost of energy in Ontario mm-hmm. has always been uh, about the middle um, in North America in regards to costing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's uh, you can go online and search that and, and get some really good information on that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but I think the big opportunity, and this goes back to my, my, my point around the new economy, mm-hmm. with uh, green energy becoming so cheap, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, solar, wind, thermal. Um, and new forms of, uh, of energy that, um, you know, opportunities the hydrogen, things like that. You know, we've got this unique opportunity to invest in the right infrastructure, and people will come, but we need to make uh, energy affordable. We're going to see the biggest transformation over the next 20 years in energy, mm-hmm. uh, transportation, and communication. Okay. Essentially, you're going to have small towns in northern Ontario producing uh, products with automation and cheap energy, if not free energy mm-hmm. um, at low cost, um, the, there'll be trucks that you know are moving back and forth in our highways uh, that are uh, automated mm-hmm. and uh, and delivering products. And then there will be you know um, uh, machinery to remove products onto uh, you know from, from trucks onto shelves. All of this stuff is going to happen, and the uh, the the challenges of energy and distance. Um, uh, will, and timing will be uh, long forgotten. and every Ontario town has the unique opportunity now to play a role in, uh, in the Canada and international economy. Um, we just need to make sure that they have the resources necessary right uh, to do that. And it goes back to my original point, mm-hmm. you know about building the best possible place for young people we need to make ontario the type of place
2: mm-hmm.
1: that a, if a young person's born in a small town in northern ontario that they have the option to actually stay where they live right. and uh, and build you know that's the type of ontario i want to build that's good for young people mm-hmm. uh, that positions them for success and it's going to happen only by making the right type of decisions and and you know around the economy and around municipalities Um, and energy production, all of that stuff is connected, and it goes right back to my original point. Make Ontario the best possible place for young people, and, uh, and we will build a society unlike anywhere else on this planet.
0: Well, I like that, Mr. Koto. Wish you all the best. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Wish you all the best.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for your time. And I really, really appreciate it. If anyone is interested in getting involved, mm-hmm. uh, please go to michaelcoto.com. That's uh, C-O-T-E-A-U dot com. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you want to learn more about uh, what what I want to do, and, uh, you know, please, uh, please go onto the website and get connected. Sounds good. Thank you, sir.
0: Thank you. Have a great Canada Day.
1: Okay, you too. Happy Canada Day.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, so kind of him to spend uh, about half an hour with us. uh, And uh, I must confess that uh, those were some tough questions, but I must also confess that he handled them well. So we are heading into a break, and after that, I want to take up uh, uh, something else uh, again related to housing. Stay tuned.